each situation that you face in your life, you should handle it how you feel most comfortable, not how you think everyone else wants you to behave. Welcome to the 25 Stay Alive podcast with Hugo and Dahlia, two cancer survivors who are passionate in helping the lives of others. Nothing is off limits, so prepare yourself for tears, laughter and goosebumps. And Dahlia talking about poo. (laughs) (laughs) Hello everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Dahlia, good to have you back with me this week. Thank you, it's been a little while. How are you going with everything after your stoma reversal? Some days I think I forget that I had recently just had surgery and I kind of pack a little bit too much into my day. But if I take it easy and I kind of drink in the water, eating the right foods, it's going pretty well. Yeah, well, it's been, what, three weeks now since the actual surgery? Yeah, tomorrow will be three weeks. It's really miraculous how quickly you can um, heal from something like this. I've definitely anticipated my recovery time to be a lot longer and a bit more intense. So it's been pleasant that it hasn't been... um, so full on for me this time. No, it's good. And what's the uh, what's the next foreseeable future hold for you with you know doctor's appointments and, and those types of things? Um, so at the end of this month, I have an appointment with my oncologist who I haven't seen since the end of May. So that's a little while since um, I've seen him. And then I see my surgeon the following day. Um, I'm assuming on those two appointments, they'll be organizing follow-up scans or something like that. But We'll just have to wait and see. We were talking offline about we might do a separate separate little nugget episode, which is more focused around sort of hospital stays and, and surgeries and what it's actually like being in hospitals and, and different appointments and all those types of things. So I think we'll, uh, we'll devote that to a separate episode because I've obviously spent a lot of time in hospitals over the, to the journey and so have you. So I think that'll be a good way to approach that. I think that's a, a really good idea. There's so much detail that goes into you know, all these hospital visits, especially the chemo every second week. And then all of, um, all the surgeries that you and I have both had, like, I think it'd be pretty interesting to explain, you know, what actually happens ABCD in order and give the listeners a bit of an idea of what we've actually physically been through. How did your appointment go yesterday? It was good. I'll say good in terms of, you know, there were no signs of cancer. So first and foremost thing, I think I put a post up saying, look, (laughs) cancer free is always good. Like I can't obviously uh, complain about that. However, it still does show that I do have active bowel disease and I still have chronic inflammation. So the, uh, the simple terms for that, for those listening, it basically means that I still need to get on top of that because if I don't, that's what's going to unfortunately cause cancer at some stage of my life. So if, when you say bowel disease, are you referring to the ulcerative colitis or is there something else that they're no, seeing? Yeah, no, that's it. So I've, I've still got active ulcerative colitis and I've still got chronic inflammation. And although it's not severe or anything like that, if I don't get on top of that, uh, although I don't have any signs of cancer cells now, that is what will uh, at some stage potentially cause, you know, more cancer cells. That's the, I suppose that's the concerning part, although it's kind of good news. Part of me thinks that, well, I've still got this inflammation lingering around, which is still, uh, yeah, still not ideal. So I was kind of given a couple options. The first being, well, if I don't want to live with this anxiety or the risk of the cancer coming back, I can just get rid of my bowel. So that's always a reasonable choice. And my gastroenterologist did say a lot of gastroenterologists would only recommend that option, which is interesting. Show me life. Yeah. So he would, that a lot of them would just go, look, you are too high a risk. It's too great a gamble. We recommend that you have the total colectomy. And like you said, join the stoma life. And that is a very reasonable 
uh, and realistic option for me. However, because the treatment looks like it's slightly working and it's doing you know bits and pieces, I've kind of got a little bit more time before I have to make that decision and to see if hopefully the immunotherapy treatment I'm on can put me into remission from the bowel disease. So I suppose long story short with that, I've decided um, that I'll give myself three months until November. I'll have a follow-up colonoscopy in three months. And if by then there's still inflammation, there's still active ulcerative colitis and bowel disease, I may have to bite the bullet and say, look, I've gone long enough. I have sort of six or seven cycles by then. It's time to bite the bullet. Welcome to the stoma life. So that's kind of, that's where I'm at. Well, that sounds a bit of good, bit of, not even bad, just a bit of different. A bit of different. And look, it's, mm. I had a chat with my partner, Amber, about it last night. And it's, it's one of those things that there is something in the back of my mind saying, well, is it easier just to go, you know what, why, why live with this risk, this anxiety I get every time I have a scan? And, and he said, regardless, he said, as long as I live with this part of my colon, I will always be at a risk of getting another cancer. And he said, I'll always have to be very strict with my surveillance colonoscopies every six months, that type of stuff. So look, if I can live with that sort of scan anxiety, whatever people could refer to it as, look, I, I suppose I can, but I can completely understand why a lot of people in this situation might go, well, why don't you just get the colon out? That's basically what he said. He said, the only one way you can completely guarantee that you'll never get another colon cancer is removing your colon, colon. <laughs> which makes sense. So look, anyway, I think that's the... Uh, the way or the path I'm going is I'll, I'll reassess in three months and then I'll make the call then, but I'll be sure to keep everyone updated. Sounds good. So should we dive into these questions? One of the first questions that we got was, um, how's the podcast going? Look, it's, it's going pretty well. I think we've done uh, what this will be episode 22 or something like that. So we've, uh, we're trying to you know get the weekly episodes out when we can, but on that as well, we might, because as you probably know, listening, we do live in different states. Dali lives in Adelaide. I live in Brisbane. So sometimes it's uh, it's not always easy to do all the episodes together necessarily when we have a guest. Logistically, it might mean that it might be better for Dahlia just to do one herself or I might do do a couple myself. So yeah, we do have some pretty pretty exciting guests coming up. We've, yeah, we do. We've got like a, a long list of all these guests that we're just trying to coordinate how we lock them all in. Do we kind of, you know, do it in person, do it online, but we have some amazing guests from, you know, Olympians to AFL stars. We do have quite a large list, but it's exciting, isn't it, Dahlia? Yeah. So we're really looking forward to getting into that, moving in towards the second half of the year. So Stay tuned and we'll absolutely let you know when we've got each of these new special guests coming up. And on that, actually, outside of the podcast itself, we're looking at doing some live 25 Stay Alive presentations. So outside of the actual podcast, we're pretty keen to go around to schools, gyms, different organizations and kind of the two of workplaces. us. Yeah, workplaces and kind of the two of us share our stories and with the ultimate message of raising awareness for being proactive with your health and having that kind of themed presentation, which I think uh, is pretty exciting. So we're starting to lock in a couple of different workplaces. So if you're listening and you would like the two of us to come out to your workplace, your school, your gym, whatever, and share our stories and give a presentation, we would love to do that. Yeah, just hit us up. And we are doing our first ever live podcast together, live podcast <laughs> in Canberra in front of over a thousand people. <laughs> In October. So that's Should awesome. be a breeze. <laughs> so Dali's a little bit nervous with it, but I think you'll smash it. Are you going to wear your army uniform or are you going to wear a suit? I'll be blazer and pocket square. And a yeah, nice should, I, should I try and get a suit too? No, you're Or get fun. like a power suit. 
No, nah, you're you're um dressed like you you've got a <laughs> vibrant and energetic fashion sense, Dahlia. So dress like that. Yeah, no, let's like throw let's throw everybody off, and I'll just come in a power suit. We'll see. Stay tuned, but look, we are excited for that. So we will have a guest with us on live on stage, and we will be doing a live stream of the podcast itself. So we're uh, we're pretty excited for that actually. So hopefully that is something that uh, yeah more. Yeah, more we to just come. need to lock in the date at this point. All right, let's go. Let's get onto it. Let's dive in here into another question. What advice would you give someone who's just been diagnosed with cancer? Yeah, look, I'll I'll kick off. Look, it is a there's I think there is no right or wrong for this question because everyone will handle it differently and it is pretty difficult. But the only advice I would personally give, having been diagnosed with two different types of cancers, is to be open with your situation and to be around those loved ones close to you. So for me, I found when I was diagnosed with, say, bowel cancer, being around my partner and my family and friends and being open with my current situation really helped me and helped them understand what I was going through. So don't be isolated and don't think you're going to go through the battle or the cancer journey by yourself. I think that's the biggest one. And the, the advice I would give is to, to always surround yourself with those who love you because not only is it better for you, but it also helps them understand what you're going through. And I think that's really, really important. So that's probably the biggest bit of advice I'd give for that. What about you, Dahlia? I think I would say make sure that you're very comfortable with your doctor's Make sure that you've got a really good GP. Make sure you're happy with your oncologist. Make sure that all of the, um, you know, the new medical staff that you're going to be in connection with, in making a relationship with over the next, you know, potential few years, probably the rest of your life. Mm. So I would definitely make sure that you're really happy with um, all of those people. Just to jump in on that as well, that probably also links into, if you want, getting second opinions, third opinions as well. Yeah, we've always said... Don't ever feel uncomfortable asking for a second opinion. Um, And then I'd probably also say not to assume that you're going to feel a certain way because each person, you know, if I had been diagnosed, I was diagnosed almost a year ago now. So if I was diagnosed three years ago, I would have had a totally different reaction Mm. to how I did this time. So I would definitely just, yeah. And don't read too much on the internet. And that sort of ties into what I'm saying about having a healthcare professional that you trust because personally my surgeon Told, I feel like he told me all the information that I needed to know. Mm. If I needed to know any extra information, he would have told me. So I didn't feel like I needed to go scrambling all over the internet. What does this word mean? What does that mean? So I think those kind of tie in together. Find people that you trust so that you don't have to go searching the internet for answers. Yes, no, it's a, it's a great point. The internet can be a bit of a, a, bit of a dangerous yes. place with, with, with that. So, And look, I might just quickly add on as well, when I touched on the support, um, having that support network, that also definitely expands to, which we've found, Dahlia, having the 25 Day Life community is being online social media. Actually connecting with people who have gone through something similar, whether it's the similar cancer, similar diagnosis. True. I think that's been amazing. We've had people reach out to us saying, look, I'm going through this. And they've said, it's been so almost therapeutic for them to chat with us about what we've gone through. And yeah, I think that's a very- Well, that's how we found each other. That's true. And that's not, that's not to say that everyone needs to share their journey online because definitely at the beginning, I was like mm. very unsure. How public do I want to be with this? Personally, for me, I chose to be quite public and that connected me with people all over the world. Yeah. And I was able to help give advice to other people about what was coming up for them and they will be able, and there were other people that were ahead of me. They were able to tell me, what was coming up for me. So Hmm. yeah, I totally agree with that. 
Yeah. And that's, look, if you, if you want one place to start with that and you're listening right now and you or a loved one has just been diagnosed with something like cancer, feel free to reach out to us. And if we can't yeah. help you, we've got this amazing community now of these amazing people who can, uh, who can help you with what you're going through. So that's the other option is to please reach out to us if you've, you've got any questions. So we'll um, move on to the next question we got. And someone asked us about working during chemo. Obviously, we can both relate to this, Dahlia, but uh, this is... How long was your chemo and when was it? So my chemo was um, when I was in the midst of army training. It went for about four months and mine was a week in hospital, which I'd be in hospital for the week and then two weeks off. A week? That is bonkers. I don't even know how you did that. So, so yeah, mine was a bit of a different approach with the chemo I had that I did have that week in hospital. Uh, So, therefore, obviously, I couldn't work whilst having that week in hospital but to answer that question from my side of things yes the doctors were supportive of it Uh, however it was very much a do what's best for your body and listen to your body so work when you can but don't feel like you have to how about you Dahlia? when i was first diagnosed i was baking four days a week and working front of house about one one day a week and then doing admin the rest of the time so i wouldn't have been physically capable of baking it's a very laborious job Mm-hmm. So I wasn't able to bake, but then I couldn't exactly work front of house because so for those who don't know, when you go through chemotherapy, your immune system plummets, like you're so susceptible to catch any sort of sickness from any person. So my oncologist wanted me not to work at all because like I said, baking would have been too laborious and working front of house, I would have had too many interactions with customers and then touching the money mm. and it just wouldn't have been safe for me because he just thought that I would contract a sickness. And yeah. so I, I did end up getting sick and being hospitalized, even though I wasn't working and wearing a face mask and carrying Dettol hand sanitizer with me everywhere I went. I was very hyper cautious of avoiding getting sick, but I still got sick. So on my chemo days, they lasted chemo weeks. They lasted three days. So two hour infusion in the hospital, 46 hours with the take home bottle. And then I would go back after those 46 hours have the bottle removed and then I'd basically be toast for towards the end, about five days. I couldn't even get off the couch. I couldn't even put a TV show on and watch it. However, the off weeks. So like I said, it was fortnightly those off weeks. I felt great. And had I had sort of like an administrative, you know, like an office job or something like that, I feel like I could have returned to work. But for me, because of my particular workplace, I didn't. So I still haven't returned to full-time work yet. And But I think you, you hit the nail on the head there, Dahlia, in terms of when you literally could, at some stages couldn't do anything. And for those listening who are going through chemo, don't feel or don't compare yourself to others who are going through chemo who might seem like they're out there doing so much because you need to realize that there are so many different types of chemo drugs and so many different types of treatment options and your bot, everyone's body reacts differently to it. So don't feel guilty that you can't do anything and you can't go to work. You know yourself, listen to your body. But if you do feel, you know what, I feel pretty good today, there's nothing wrong with you doing a bit of work or, or going to work if you can. Yeah, I think returning to work or finding um, something valuable to do with your time when you're not working, I was petrified that I was just going to fall into a heap because I don't know if anyone out there hasn't worked for you know, a couple of weeks at a time, maybe they've had an injury or something, but I thought I was going to go stir crazy. But I think it's important to keep yourself busy, even though you might not be working per se. You know, for me, it was doing the podcast. Busy and active, like as, as much as you can, even if it's the smallest yeah, sort of thing. Being and as was, physically active as you possibly can is absolutely a, a go for chemo. 
and that was uh, yeah a couple episodes ago when we actually spoke about the uh, the importance of exercising even as little as that may be during chemo and how beneficial that can be so you know if you want to listen to or hear more about that definitely go back and listen to that episode about diet lifestyle and exercise we've got a question here actually about diet so why don't we answer that one first okay yeah what's, your, what's your diet like hugo yeah so for me it's quite a different diet because i mentioned at the start of this episode i still have active inflammation uh, active bowel disease which i need to get on top of so look i personally don't eat meat processed foods or chicken for that matter i'm actually more of like you could say pescatarian if that's uh if that's the right word for it, which I still eat fresh seafood, but it's predominantly a plant-based vegetable diet, um, whole foods, fresh foods. That's my main diet that I'm choosing at the moment to uh, to really just try and help my current situation. That being said, I'm still all about moderation and I still like to have a few, you know, a few drinks here and there. I still like to have some chips here and there and those types of foods. So I'm not like a complete strict vegan plant-based person by any stretch of the imagination. However, I do follow a pretty wholesome fresh diet what about you Dali? how's your your diet been lately oh it's been a bit rubbish let's be honest i'm not gonna lie the thing is is right before my surgery i was trying to turn a kind of trying to keep on a low fiber diet and now being post-surgery i'm definitely on low fiber if i have any if i have too many vegetables or anything else high fiber like the other day i had some popcorn before i went to bed how many times do you reckon I got up in the night to do poos? Six. I had to get up six times through the night to go to the toilet. Why are you eating and then popcorn? Like, Popcorn's like what? one of the worst things that you can eat when you've got missing half a colon. Well, why didn't you tell me that before I ate the popcorn? I remember that was like one thing I got told at the start is like popcorn is one of the hardest things to digest and it will make you... I do. I, you know what? Like I did know that because I'm an avid... I really like popcorn. And the whole time I had my stoma, I didn't eat it once because I knew that. But I guess, I don't know. It was silly. It was a bad move. But Dahlia... I'm going to be your little father here, but you need to remember just because you got your stoma reversed, you're still missing a chunk of your bow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're right. I forget. Yeah. I really do. So yeah, look, look, it's an interesting one. And for those listening who have any questions about, you know, specific diets, we actually do have a, uh, a bit of a resident nutritionist on board, which is uh, Sarah Abel Smith. And like I said, we did do an episode covering off on the importance of diet and exercise and lifestyle. So Look, we're not experts, obviously. Like we've obviously both missing a chunk of our bowels, and and you know we know that we have to follow up a pretty healthy diet. But you know everyone should, right? Yeah, I think like in the last week, I've been given cutting myself a little bit of slack, having a bit of a pity party, and yeah, having a few that's right bits of chocolate here and there, and if going to put my hand up and say that I ate a whole bag of Cheetos last night. So, Dahlia, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Well, look, I would say that I feel bad about it. But I, re- I don't. I'm very like, if I choose to eat something or if I choose to do something, that's my choice. I'm not going to guilt myself afterwards. No, so. spot on. And look, you don't want to guilt yourself. Like it's one of those things that, you know, if you're eating Maccas every day and, you know, you're having two litres of Coke, then maybe you might want to <laughs> revisit that. But look, a bag of Cheetos. Rain it in. <laughs> a bag of Cheetos here and there. So that's yeah, you've, what you've just gone through. You're only a couple of weeks out of surgery. Actually on that Just too- loads of water. I don't care if you have a whole bowel. I don't care if you're missing legs. I don't care if you're tall, thin, you know, whatever that's going on, water. Water is essential. And I just feel like so many people really underappreciate how beneficial water is to your diet. Well, and it's interesting you say the water part because that were the two big ticket items that Sarah, the nutritionist that we had on the episode, she said that the two big takeaways was water, 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 so important, and also no sugar or reducing sugar. They were kind of, if you had to pick two things, 
they were the big two. So reducing sugar, plenty of water. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. So we'll move, jump into the next question, yep. which is, do you feel better that you can beat your cancer and be happy? Do you feel better that you can beat your cancer and be happy? So it is an interesting question. What I think people don't realize is that once you've had cancer once, and especially knowing Hugo, having been in remission nearly, and then being diagnosed again, it kind of just sits in the back of your mind that you feel like you might get it again mm. or it might come back. So, but that doesn't make me unhappy for some reason. It might make a lot of people unhappy or cause anxiety, but for me, it, it doesn't. I guess like I didn't ever really let the cancer make me unhappy. So I don't feel any more happy having finished it. I just feel like I've learned a lot. Even Dali, during your cancer, I know the question was saying, do you feel better that you can beat cancer and be happy? But even during your cancer treatment, when you did your chemo themo, yeah, I wanted to be happy the whole time. But that's being happy during chemo. And I think that's a that's pretty awesome to, to say, you know what, I've, I'm still going through treatment for bowel cancer, but you can be happy going through something like chemo. And there are definitely some people that um, I've come across online that have felt like that they miss their cancer, if that makes sense. And it's really heartbreaking to say mm. this, but some people miss their cancers because that was the only way that the people in their life showed them yeah. any sort of attention or anything like that, which really breaks my heart. But that is something that would be very real. So, you know, just because you meet someone and they say they're in their remission, it definitely does not mean that they're happy. So I definitely wouldn't assume that if I met someone who was in remission. Yeah, look, I think it's a very important point. And, you know, don't get, don't get me wrong. And I put the post up last night, although, you know, I don't have cancer and I'm cancer free. Oh, of course I'm happy. Like that, that's, that's excellent news. Of course, Dali is happy, you know, sitting here today being cancer free. But by saying that, like Dali just touched on remission complexities are very real and people do struggle a lot. Although they're cancer free, there are so many other things that go on in your life still. A lot of people on the outside just expect you to, you know, click your fingers and adjust back to normal life but it's, it's not as easy as that. You've just been through a full-on journey and you've still got in the back of your mind that, you know, what if it comes back or I've got follow-up scans and, you know, like me, I was in remission for five years and then two months later got diagnosed with cancer again. So not saying that, you know, you have to always live with that fear, but it's, it is real. It is real and people do struggle with it. And you hear these sayings as well, Dahlia, uh, like survivor's guilt. People also find that they've True. survived advanced bowel cancer and, and they're sitting here happy, but then there are people out there who aren't so lucky and people do struggle with that as well. Yeah, and there's absolutely people that are living with terminal cancer, such as our good mate, Willie, and there are some people that I've connected with online that have got um, terminal illnesses and they're very happy. Mm. And there are people enjoying their lives and doing things for their cause and, and um, contributing in that way. So I guess... Just because you have cancer doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be sad. And just because you don't have cancer doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be happy. Yep. I like that. It's a good way to sort of touch that one or finish that question off. And look, we might just jump to the next question, which is kind of probably going to be the last question because we do want to try and keep these episodes around that sort of 30-ish minute mark. It's a good one to Let finish Let me ask on. you this question. I reckon, let's start off with you. What's one thing that 2019 has taught you? Look, for me, I actually, I recently did a, a post on 25 Stay Alive where I said, here are three things I've actually learned over the past 12 months. But if I have to pick one, the last sort of 12 months or 2019 in particular has taught me that there is nothing wrong with being vulnerable and expressing your feelings. There's nothing wrong with being vulnerable 
and expressing your feelings. For me, that's a really you think before, like before these last 12 months, you were not vulnerable. Yeah. Look, I don't, I definitely so think, yeah, I definitely think I put more of a, that brave front up to almost say that, look, I'm fine all the time and almost to be brave for other people as such, like such as, you know, family and friends. But I eventually realized and that I learned this the hard way when I was in hospital and I went through and I've obviously opened about this, some of my really darker days was when I wasn't vulnerable and I didn't really express my feelings because I felt that I was already causing so much pain to, to those close to me. I had to be that pillar of strength and I had to be brave all the time. And that's just, you don't want to make things worse. You don't want to exacerbate it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And it just, it gets, it got so draining and I felt like it was counterproductive. Yeah. You said that you said that you'd wait until your family left. Yeah. Which makes me so sad. It Look, it was. And it was sad because I felt that if I'm crying and upset and really expressing my feelings and being vulnerable, then, you know, shit, what am I, you know, what's my partner going to do or my parents going to do? Like, it's just going to make them feel even worse. And, and that was my mindset at the time, which now I've learned, and this is why this is one thing I've learned so much in the last sort of 12 months, is that it's so important to be vulnerable and to express your feelings because, A, not only is it good for you, and your own healing and letting that out. Uh, but also my loved ones would have known exactly how I was feeling and they would have wanted to help. You know, I think they- choosing people that you feel comfortable being vulnerable in front of as well. Like it doesn't mean you have to be vulnerable with everyone at all times, but mm. I think finding one or two people that you can absolutely be yourself around when you're going through treatment is really important. No, absolutely. And, and look, I'll just touch, I'll touch off on that point. It comes back down to, and it's something I'm obviously passionate in, is the whole normalizing the conversation around mental health. And I think as soon as we break that barrier down to realize that there is no shame in seeking help, there's no shame in being vulnerable, and there's no shame in sharing your emotions, the more we can normalize that conversation around mental health. So I think that's what I'll just finish off by saying there as well. All right. And I reckon for me is choose your emotions based on each experience, just because you lose your job or you're diagnosed with an illness or just because something negative happens to you doesn't mean that you automatically have to fall into a heap. Same goes with if something good happens to you or like perceived something good happens to you, doesn't mean that you need to be over the moon about it. I think each situation that you face in your life, you should handle it how you feel most comfortable, not how you think everyone else wants you to behave. Yeah. That makes sense. No, I love that. I do like that actually. It's um, I think, and we actually put a quote up um, recently, which is, which is be yourself because an original is worth more than a copy. And I think that's kind of touches on what you're saying there is that, you know, be yourself. Don't yeah, react how you want to react, not how people you think, think that you, you, think should. you should. Yeah. My little quote that I'm going to quickly say is, whatever the present moment contains, accept it as if you've chosen it. Mm. Yeah. That's really been something that's really just been floating around my mind I in like the that. last few months because it's like, if there's something that you don't have control over and that's what's happening to you, you may as well react to it how you want to. Yeah, I love that. And that's, okay. I think that's awesome. I think finishing on that quote is a good little segue for people to, uh, to ponder and think about. <laughs> and let, me just, uh, let me just give you a round of applause here. Are you ready? Right. Round right. of applause. We just went 30 minutes and you didn't say prevalent once. Oh, how good. <laughs> We've no. just noticed that we often use the same words when we're, when we're talking <laughs> together. Yeah. So we're going to work on that. So feel free to pull us up on it because 
we are all for constructive criticism. So um, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I do love the word prevalent. But look, hopefully you got something out of today's episode. We uh, we did just want to do a bit of a bit of an update, bit of a catch up. Thanks for everyone who sent those questions in. Sorry if we didn't get around to answering your question, but we did get sent quite a lot this time. So we will try and answer those in a separate episode. And if you haven't done so already, please subscribe, rate, or review the show because it actually really does help us climb up the charts and, and be seen by more people, which is at the end of the day, we want to create that big community for as many people as we can. You can also find us on Instagram at 25 say live and Twitter. No one's on Twitter except me, but we're there. <laughs> and also we have our own website, which uh, the link is in our bio on our Instagram. So if you have any questions or um, like we said, if you want to reach out to Hugo and I do it through the 25 say live page, Um, or our personal Instagram accounts as well. So I hope everyone's having a lovely week so far and hopefully this hump day potty uh, gets you over to the the happier side of the week. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks, everyone. Bye. You've been listening to the 25 Stay Alive podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify to get fresh new weekly episodes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 25 Stay Alive. And feel free to send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time.